I never know what your question is going to be about. All right, go ahead. You never do. Pam Ochoa. I have a question for you today. My question is a simple one, and that is we have reading time every day. Well, I would say 99% of the time kids are reading in our classrooms, at least for a little bit. And they're reading independently. They're reading choice novels, et cetera, et cetera. If you could talk about where you're at now, we're right before... uh, Thanksgiving break as of recording this, where would you say, because we've talked about the waxing and waning of workshop before, something I I take into context a lot as we go uh, in and out of specific things that we have to do. So we've, we've said this on the podcast, but in your reading time right now, right, I can always get a, a feel for where my reading is, right? Some, you know, sometimes kids like they're all in novels. Sometimes there's a transitioning period because they're finishing. Sometimes it appears like everything's exploding and no one's reading and there's, it's just whack-a-mole in terms of focus. So right now, where would you say that reading time is in terms of effectiveness, in terms of being focused? And why is it like that right now? Well, I have, I would say 97% maybe 95 to be, or in some classes, 90, to be honest. But I would say 90% to about 98% of my students are in the middle of a book. Uh, I noticed that I've had a few transfer from graphic novels to, I think they've ran out of all the graphic novels in my room, and they've read all the ones in the library. And so now they're like starting to venture into other things. So I think uh, that is good. And then I have those uh, three to five percenters, uh, depending on if it's an honors or not, but um, that just don't want to engage. I mean, they, I'm still working with them. They're looking at a book, they're distracted. So, you know, on an honest note, I I would like to say I have 100% reading 100% of the time, but I don't. Uh, However, I at least have them reading most of the time because I'm having to, you know, I get up, I walk around, I model for them, and, um, you know, they know that I'm watching. So they're at least reading for those two minutes that they know I'm looking at them. But there's a few times where they'll go, what, what? And I'm like, "Um, well, you wouldn't have to say what if you were actually reading. Oh, my gosh. You know, and then they get back to reading. And that's not very many. Most of my kids are readers. I mean, one thing about our school, or at least my group, most of them showed up as readers. My issue more is is the writing. They're they're not really, I mean, they, they will write, but not... As much as I I am used to, I'm used to them writing more and reading less uh, in my other schools. So it's been kind of interesting. It's kind of a reverse of what I'm used to. Maybe because of all of y'all's, well, maybe because of all your focus last year, trying to get those reading scores up. I I think that's probably evidence of, of that. Well, honestly, if, I mean, we can talk about this for a second before we intro the show. I mean, our sixth grade team, uh, especially last year, uh, their mm-hmm. primary focus what has been reading. I mean, and, and it 
one of the teachers who is kind of like my partner in crime, her and I have kind of grown up together as teachers. She's phenomenal. I trust her with my life in terms of education. I think she's one of the best teachers I've ever seen in my life. But Malin Bannister, I've had her on the Teach Me Teacher podcast back when she was a little baby. Like we, I had her. What's funny is I had her on. This is funny. I don't think we've ever talked about this. I had her on after your Abydos training that she went to for writing. Is that right? And she talked about it. Was I was asking her questions about that's funny. You should go back and listen to. I'm pretty sure if memory serves correctly, because that's Uh back in season one of Teach Me Teacher. I would say that's been a while. Yeah, it was like six years ago. So Uh um, that's funny. I didn't I didn't connect that until just now. But so I remember she was coming back because she was so excited about all this writing they were doing, and I was like, Hey, come on the podcast. I would love to talk about that. And you know, we we talked about it, and it was funny because she had just started it like she was she had just been to your avidos training and she was uh you know she was just kind of experimenting and whatever but um anyway she she has always leaned towards reading and the the team in general leans towards reading there's also you know as as sad as it is to say you know when there's not a writing test sometimes people lean a different way we're trying right. to fix that on our campus to where we we really want to marry them and we're definitely getting better but i mean mm-hmm. i was even a victim of that when i taught 6th grade was you know just leaning towards that reading side anyway i'm digressing my point is is that the 6th grade team currently they were very focused on reading and that they were more comfortable doing that than writing. So I think you're just seeing kind of the fruits of of that effort rather than the writing side, which is interesting. You know, it's interesting to be, we're in the middle, right? We get to, we inherit who we get from the the teachers previous and, you know, we're in a very transient school. So we get kids from the outside too. And then we, our job is to kind of like shape as much as possible before they go on to to eighth grade, you know, which is a a much more, it's a, it's not a block. They only have 45 minutes. So the way they balance reading and writing is uh, difficult Um, and it it presents its own challenges. So we're in a really unique spot as seventh grade. And I've, I never thought about that until, uh, until just now. It's interesting. Sorry for the little, uh, stuff in my throat there hey, we're both like we're both like kind of have colds going on so we've been <laughs> trying to mute and pause as much as possible on the on the podcast just so people don't have to hear stuff but in any case we'll pause there because we're talking all about books today on this episode we're answering a listener question on this episode but this is craft oh, and draft that's pam ochoa i'm jacob chastain we are two seventh grade english teachers down here in the state of texas living our best lives as much as we can doing workshop teaching we talk about reading our workshop all the time on this podcast that is what it's about if you don't know craft and draft craft and draft is our journal system it is not a program it is not a prescription it is a way to show the beauty of workshop and to show the beauty of thinking and work and progress through reading and writing and weaving it all together into one fantastic idea. If you want more background knowledge on what Craft and Draft is, go check out some of our previous podcasts where we kind of detail all the stuff about that. We're working on a book currently. Stay tuned for more on that. We're working on some more training. Stay tuned for that. We're very busy. It's a very busy time, so we can only do so much, but we try to do this podcast every week, so you get a little taste, you get a little inspiration, and you get to stay in tune with people who love authentic teaching, authentic learning. No programs, no prescriptions here, just real passionate teaching and trying to figure out what works in the world of literacy. But today, ladies and gentlemen, we are diving into a question from a listener. So here we go. All righty, Ochoa. We have a question from someone uh, who 
phonetically wrote her name, and this is how you know she's a friend of the show, because she has heard me botch names. She's botched <laughs> names we know. <laughs> we have botched names of people we actually know. Like Facts. we've actually talked to them. <laughs> I'm an English teacher, and I, I feel like I was destined to be an English teacher. But I'm horrible at reading. You know, I think it was because I didn't really like. I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's either the 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 if you learn to read with a heavy emphasis on phonics, is is it that or is it the lack of phonics that causes you to read like to make up the way things sound in your brain? Which one is it, Ochoa? Is it? I think it's the lack of phonics. Yeah, because it's. I think I think when they went through that wave of whole whole language approach. Uh huh. Um, without the phonics, uh, yeah, it causes emphasis. a lot of that, right? And it, yeah. it might, it might like. I feel like there's we, we're we're not going to dip into that conversation, but I feel <laughs> no, like me. That's, hot. that's a hot. Yeah. We're going to get there. We're we're actually planning an episode on that, but we want to mm-hmm. do it right. We want to do it justice, and it's probably going to be a long right. one. Um, and we'll probably bring on an expert with it because yes. um, a lot of that deals with more early literacy, which um, I'm not an expert. Uh, at all. I don't think Ochoa just prescribes herself as an expert with that. We're definitely secondary teachers through and through. But in any case, she she, she put her uh, name phonetically. Uh, pro- like I said, I just, every time I see that, when I saw that, I was like, man, she must have heard that episode where I was botching like those music terms. You remember that? Where I was like, I don't even remember what it was. But I was so... Like, you know broke. I, yeah. <laughs> Hey, I had the answer. I just want to make sure that everybody knows. I just, you know, and that's how I live. Okay. I just say words. It was funny as my kids do it too. They're like Chastain. I don't think that's what that meant. And I'm like, you know, I still do. There's a name. I'm really off track right now. There's a name, uh, that, Oh, I can tell you this. So every time it doesn't matter. I know how to pronounce it. I know what it means every time I read it, but sometimes it just catches me. And I called a parent one time who had this name and I said it wrong and it haunts me still to this day because they, I, I, that from that moment on the parent thought I was an idiot, but I go, hi, is Deborah there? <laughs> like Deborah, like just pronounce. <laughs> hey, I, you know, one time, you know how you say horizon? Uh-huh. I mean, my dad, he flew planes. He always talked about the horizon. I knew, but I guess I never read the word. Uh-huh. I was in college, and we were, we popcorn read in college, by the way, just letting y'all know that. But, wow. well, we did. So it was my turn, and I read it, horizon. <laughs> and everybody started laughing, and I'm like, what? And then I realized as context that... It was Horizon. I knew that, but in front of everybody, I was probably nervous. And Horizon, by the way, Horizon is how you do Horizon. Anyway, so Karen, per, she she gave us her phonetically spelled name. So I appreciate awesome. you, Karen. You are a friend of the show, and I will forever thank you uh, for doing that. But Karen messages. She says, hello. She says, I found your podcast in late July and quickly went on a massive binge. Oh, well, I listen you. now. It feels like I'm visiting old friends. That rhymes, interestingly enough. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules to share your expertise. She says, my question is about class novels and how to handle them in the craft and draft model. I would be thrilled if you did a deep dive on this topic. I'm in need of direction. Warmest regards, Karin. All right. So that's our that's our task today. 
is to oh wow okay talk about novels all right in in the craft and draft framework and this is interesting and this is why I asked you your question about where your independent reading is because uh, as she she probably knows this because she listens to the show and you know she mm-hmm. she's listened to it enough to where she feels like a you know a, a warm friend and everything else and you know we've talked about how we we've pulled in novels and we've done this and we've done that but I, I think as a majority we don't do full novels all that much and I I have an answer to her question because I did something like this last year but I wanted to pitch it to you. Uh, just to kind of get us running is, you know, when it comes to craft and draft, when it comes doing our mini lessons and doing their reading goals and connecting their goals and what they're learning and their reading into their writing, into their draft books and onto publishing and everything else, you know, how do you see a, a novel working? It's just, do you see it differently? Like if you were doing a whole class novel, which is, I'm assuming she's talking about, she might, it, it might be independent reading. We'll talk about both in this conversation, but how do you, view the use of the novel either as a class or independently in the craft and draft model do you plan for it differently how do you incorporate it well i mean if i were doing the whole you know class novel which i have done many years i've done the whole class novel so i'm i'm not against the whole class novel at all to be honest uh, i know that the the movement right now is don't do it because I can see why you don't want to do a whole class novel. And what they're worried about is when you do that whole class novel, you're only um, allowing the students to read that particular novel. There's no choice involved. You've chosen the novel as a teacher. And so by doing that, you're forcing all those kids to read your, your, you know, whatever the curriculum or whatever, but it's not their choice. And then look at all the different books you could get in if you weren't doing the whole class novel so i see the argument so i just want to make sure but um but personally i'm not against whole class novels if they're done in a way that allows the student to uh, investigate that novel and have choice in their investigation i think to me uh it's how you approach that might be a little bit different so to answer that question, how do you, how do I approach it? Uh, I would use it as my model text. And this is where I would really look at my standards and I would organize my standards in such a way that my mini lessons are those are based on those standards along the way. So if we're talking about uh, how do authors begin their work, their pieces, you know, if we're talking about figurative language, uh, if we're talking about dialogue, whatever we are doing at that time, I would pick a piece of that novel and we would talk about that on that particular day. But at the same time, they would all be, they would schedule their reads. You know, like I would, what I mean by that is I would have to see how much time I did have with it, right? I would take the pages and then I would assign uh, those pages. And the way the way I did it is, or have done it in the past, is I might begin the novel where I read it to them a little bit to get them started so they can kind of hear it, see, see how the tone, see how it feels. Uh, I will read aloud, use Laura Robb's read aloud method, uh, get them started, kind of think about that. We might do a mini lesson with that, uh, maybe 
characterization or maybe even talk about exposition and all the different setting, you know, parts, what makes some predictions about what's going to happen. Uh, talk about where the, um, the conflict is cited, you know, and how many conflicts are there. I mean, you know, whatever I'm going to do at the beginning. And then I would, I would read that, maybe give them some background because I, I like doing the background. I think it's fun. So those are maybe some of my beginning mini lessons. And then I would have them, okay, in this chapter, maybe these three pages, we're going to partner read, and then we're going to really di- deep dive in those three pages. Then some other ones that are, you know, because not all pages are the same in a novel, right? Some parts are easier to read, and some parts you just don't want to miss it, because that's where that that pivotal point is if it's a pivotal point, I'm going to handle it more in my mini lesson. And then I'm going to be more class driven to make sure we read that together, whether it's partner read and then talk about it, or I read or even Coral read some things that are repetitive. But when I read these things, we read them a different way all the way through the piece. And then I assign reading if they can take the books with them, there's reading homework. If not, then I will provide 20 minutes or 30 minutes of reading, part of that is their self-selected reading, and the other part is the the novel that we're doing. So those are the kind of things that I do uh, with with it as a whole class. You know what's interesting is at the beginning of Craft and Draft, before we had that title, before we kind of had the the structure of it down... I, and this started with our work together, right? When I was really, you know, as a literacy coach, I was experimenting with what does workshop look like? You know, what does workshop look like in, in a journal? I was frustrated with other journal systems that I had used. I was frustrated with the, the, the lack of structure, so to speak, because I couldn't. It was, I, I knew it was happening workshop, but I was, I was frustrated because students couldn't look back at their work enough. I was still, they were, they were turning in a lot of stuff, which I'm not against, but it was, the balance was off, right? I wasn't, mm-hmm. there wasn't enough concrete stuff to look at. So in the early days, um, I, at the, at our campus that we worked at, you know, I was a literacy coach, but I had one class of 20 kids and it was literally split into thirds of low, medium, high performers. Right. And we've talked about this before on the show, but Mm -hmm. they, they were all over the place. And I was like, well, (laughs) I have, and I didn't really, I gave away all my books because when I went to be a literacy coach, I had thought I wasn't going to need them anymore. Like I was like, I'm not going to teach. I didn't know I was going to wiggle myself back into a classroom. And so I had to rebuild my library. So I didn't have a lot of access. We had the, we had the school library, obviously, but you know, I, Donalyn Miller and Colby Sharp, you know, talk about this book access and and how important it is to have books at their fingertips. And it it really does so much for literacy because, you know, the closer it is, the better. And especially if you have great relationships with your students, they're more likely to pick up books that you recommend, pick up books in your classroom. I mean, I've seen this. Kids are more likely to read a book in my library than our school library. doesn't mean my library is better. just means they're more comfortable with it, right? So with all Mm -hmm. of that said... I was growing frustrated with these students who I didn't have enough books to give them. They were trusting me, but we, I just didn't have enough. So what I did is I also, I wanted to pull in some guided reading groups. So I did a lit circle and I had each group, they had the kind of their own books. They still had their independent books, but they also had their book that they were reading together. And the way this started is I did it on canvas. Ironically enough is I created a canvas course and 
kids would join it every once in a while, and I would pre-read kind of like I, I kind of figured roughly they were going to read between ten to twenty pages every reading session, depending on their mm-hmm. book. And so I would read ahead and kind of mark uh, the the ideas, themes, whatever we're working on. And I would try, and this wasn't always successful, because, I mean, literally in the same class, I had kids reading The Outsiders, Flora and Ulysses. Uh, I had the Flora and Ulysses. Yeah, you did them. I did Anthem by Ayn Rand. I did, I mean, I literally had, I did The yeah, City but that of was But that was all in one literature circle session. I mean, in other words, it wasn't like you did one one time. One this is all happening at the same time. I remember. Yes. So I have all of these books going down, and literally, I mean, from the one and only Ivan up to Ayn Rand, right in one classroom. Right. And and I've read Ayn Rand enough to where it wasn't too uh, much of a struggle for me. But you know, I I had I was balancing all of these in Canvas, and what I would do is I would read ahead and I would kind of set up these discussion boards, so to speak, and you know, I kind of did it online school style to where they had to respond to each other and i was just uh once every day i chose a different group to meet with so sometimes they were with me if they weren't with me they were interacting with each other on canvas um but they're they were also interacting in person and that was that was fine right it was it was decent we we made progress those kids read those books they analyzed them i i still think the group that did ayn rand the anthem we had some of the best conversations i've ever had about that book uh with middle schoolers uh in seventh grade and i mean it was it was powerful we read i mean and that that book is so uh that book is so important today and i know a lot of people hate ayn rand they have their problems There's, there may be listeners to this who have their problem but i think ayn rand's an extremely important writer regardless if you agree with her or disagree with her i think her ideas are very important especially in today's uh big topics and we were doing this years ago right this is just a few years ago and we're having these great conversations yeah, but four yeah so transition into craft and draft though uh this model um, I did last year to where I was like, our, my kids were kind of floundering. Their independent reading was going okay. And I was like, you know what? Let's try a class novel. Let's see what this looks like. So we got the crossover and the crossover by Kwame Alexander, which is fantastic. Um, all poetry form. My kids are obsessed with poetry. It's kind of what just happens in Chastain's class. But So we read it out loud, but what I ended up doing for Craft and Draft is I didn't do... It actually slowed my mini lessons down. I've talked about how I've done mini lessons. Uh, I do almost a mini lesson a day, right? And I, that's how I just do it in chunks that way. It just makes me feel better. It makes me feel like I'm moving. But for this one, I did maybe two to three a week. And what I did was I just made them hyper-focused on what we were learning. So if I did a mini lesson on Monday, it was like a pre-read. We might read um, a specific, like out loud. So I would read, I did almost all of the reading out loud because it's written in poetry. It really flows Mm -hmm. well out loud. So we would read and then I would already have the lesson planned for a, a section, right? A page or two. Where we talked about theme, or we talked about figurative language, or we talked about this. So that was my mini lesson in craft and draft, right? So sometimes it came after the reading, and then kids would move on from there. Or I would pre-teach a concept. So we would use a model text still the same way I do all the time in craft and draft. Maybe a model text from crossover. Maybe not. Maybe from something similar uh, to give background knowledge. Like there's one part where the dad has heart problems in the book for people that haven't read it. So I remember I brought a article 
that I kind of trimmed down. And we read an article about heart disease and we analyzed it just to give some background knowledge. And then we read that. And then after we read that on the left side of the craft book, they did their reflections on. So how did the author use this kind of the science behind this to demonstrate the conflict, to increase the conflict to how did this, so how did, how does this nonfiction piece work its way into something? How does he use this to build character? And that was kind of how I merged it as I just kind of played with the mini lesson. So it was, I just kind of manipulated the craft book, so to speak, to still do the same thing, both in the concept of one novel that we were reading together. And, uh, you know, you're really great at this and I would love for you to speak on it. But one of the things I did too was sometimes we just had our standard where we're, maybe we're talking about conflict, right? We're reading conflict. We're focused on that. I know that day we're going to hit a major conflict in the book. So guess what? They're going to do that. They're going to talk about on the left side or maybe on the right side uh, under the conflict standard, they'll write, what's the conflict in the crossover? How did it intensify here? And then in our independent reading on the left side, what's the conflict doing in your story? How do these authors do it differently. So they have on their two page spread. If you could imagine the journal spread out on the left side is their book on the right side is our class book. And now they're doing cross text analysis on conflict and how authors do this, which is going to inform how they're going to handle conflict in their own writing. So I don't know. That's how I played with it. But, uh, how, I mean, you're so good at having them take their reading, whether it's a whole class read, the mini lesson or independent reading into this. I mean, how would, do you, would you do something similar to that or would you, what would you add? No, I would. And then, and then in the writing, then you take it and you go to the craft. I mean, the draft book, right. And let's say they've been writing because you should have some writing time in there and they should be writing. So now what they do, you've talked about conflict. Like you said, I like how you did that. Uh, here's what it looks like here. This is what it looks like in yours. And then you take that whole concept and now you're a writer. So how is it going to look like in your writing? So now you go to one of your pieces you've been working on, you write on the right side, correct? And then you, you find a place where you can either, if you're missing the conflict, you can add it, or you can develop that conflict and model it after one or both of those writers on the left side you pull that piece out if you will now on the left side you actually write your conflict like this is your revised conflict or your added conflict but you model it after what you learned in this mini lesson and in this in this reading and now what they're going to do is they're going to solidify and understand conflict and how it's used. Then after you do that, if you're going to be tested on this, then you take a type of question that addresses conflict and then you show how uh, this is used. So how did the author use blah, 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 or what type of tone did it create or where's the conflict? How did the author address conflict? So then you show them how it's going to be tested. And I think if you do those things, then when they get to that actual test and they have to annotate their text, you kind of, if you want them to annotate, then they can even annotate for that conflict. What are the things that go together to create this, this conflict or the way this author did it? So I think, I think I would definitely take it to that next step with the writing because it's the writing that solidifies what they've learned in the reading. And I think sometimes we stop short Um, I've been known to stop short mainly because of time, but then if I don't come back to it, 
then I've really missed out on that piece. So that's how I would bring writing back into it. Or another thing you, uh, when I read To Kill a Mockingbird with my ninth graders, and this is before we had the craft and draft system, because this was when I, this was in the 90s. So this was a little while ago, <laughs> like 94. I almost remember the exact year because it was such a, it, this was just some, you know, you teach some of those things and you just never forget get that one lesson where the chills happen and the kids are all in. I mean, this was not 99%. This was a hundred percent participation. And these were ninth graders and I ran into them after graduating, you know, how you go somewhere and you end up in mm-hmm. the same place. And they're like, Oh my gosh, we still read because you remember when you did that lesson. I mean, so this is, this was that lesson. So we were doing to kill a mockingbird and, uh, and, there were three ideas here, and this was where Scout was dealing with injustice. She was not understanding what was happening in the town, and she didn't understand what her, you know, because her dad, she's trying to get a picture of this, her dad not being supported because he's her hero, right? But yet in the town, they're all kind of not understanding. He believes that everybody should be treated the same and everybody should have equal justice under the law. But the town didn't feel that way. And so there's a moment in time where the children are going to school and they bring current events. And one of the kids asks, but Mrs. So-and-so, what about the Jews? How, why are they persecuted? Aren't they white? Okay. And she's like, Oh yeah, they're real. It's the word is prosecuted, but everybody should be treated the same. Well, Scout was having trouble with this because the summer before, she saw this teacher not treating people the same. So she was having trouble with this. So what I did is I took a trade book, Rose Blanche, wonderful book. It's a picture book, ninth grade. I do picture books in ninth grade. I do picture books in junior level. I do picture books. Did one yesterday, by the way, Emily Dickinson for Emily. Anyway, here's the deal. So I read this picture. First of all, I start with the Martin Luther King quote, an injustice anywhere is an injustice everywhere. I have the kids write about it. So this is, they would write. And then we shared for a second. And then I read Rose, uh, Rose Blanche, which is about a girl who sees injustice in her town as a German, and she goes out and she finds a concentration camp. She starts starving herself and taking her lunch, skipping school and taking her lunch to see, I mean, to the this concentration camp to feed the people that she found. All right. So then we talk about that. And then I read that part in To Kill a Mockingbird. And now they write again about an injustice everywhere. And then we end with a quote, by George Santiana about how I think it's watched me pretty mispronounce his name all of a sudden, but anyway, um, history repeats itself that quote. So then the kids, they wrote, they shared, they, they took their notes, they wrote, they shared. And did we have a deeper understanding about what scout was going through, but we saw that it happens everywhere. It's not, it's, it's not an injustice between this person and that person. Also at the time, AIDS was a big deal and they had just finished the day before the AIDS presentation that we had to deal with. And so, um, so that was an injustice. So I had some kids write about AIDS and how it's not fair. And so, so it was open enough that they talked about an injustice in their life and it was, 
was it was powerful. It was very powerful. And uh, anyway, that was one of those lessons. But that's how I did a mini lesson. So I took one piece of that novel. And then the next day, we just read. And we read the whole time. And then they wrote about what they read. So, I mean, it just depends. And that was in a 45-minute or a 53-minute block is what it, I had a 53-minute class back then. So that's how I handled that novel is that's one lesson. So I would have worked that in my craft and draft book today a little bit differently. Well, and I, I think the the primary lesson that Karen should take from this and anyone else that's trying to do this is craft and draft is not a prescription. The no. the, the craft book is designed to merge lesson with independent practice with and then move over to the draft book like you said and 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 just keep that process going so if you have those things in place if they're taking your lesson and if your lesson is meaningful and that meaningful lesson is going into their reading whether it's a full group novel an independent novel whatever and then that is being transitioned to how did the writers do it and that is being transitioned to how do i do it and that's being transitioned to how do i publish this then you have craft and draft you're weaving everything that you need to weave and that's all we have for this episode though you guys we we promised a shorter episode if you need a follow-up let us know but i I think this is it this is how you do it it's it's the the philosophy holds it all together so experiment with this see what happens send us what you're doing if you're doing something cool with what your version of craft books and draft books send it to us we would love uh to check it out to, to learn from you to see how you're merging your mini lessons to the independent writing and everything else and uh moving on from there ladies and but that's Pamela Cho. this is jacob chastain we are two english teachers down here in the state of texas living our best lives doing what we love to do which is workshop teaching this is a shorter episode because Pam Ochoa has a life as you heard on the last episode and she's off traveling so we needed to do uh two quick episodes that way you did not miss we don't want you to go without crafted draft you gotta have craft and draft every week much like everyone needs to read and write every day you need your craft and draft every week and we're here to supply that for you because we are here for you but i'm not gonna let pam ochoa say that just yet because i want to tell you to subscribe to the podcast review the podcast if you enjoyed this hit that star button it really does help write a review it really does help share this with your plc it really does help check us out everywhere send us a question at craftthejeffworkshop.com or over our facebook page we just crossed over 100 people which is kind of cool it's kind of a a, a little landmark more and more people are listening to the podcast we see the statistics so keep sharing keep listening and know that we are here for you